love this week's podcast and I love the topic and I love the guest. And let me tell you why. There are a few things in life that are difficult to overcome and especially when those high intense situations come up, there are oftentimes not very many tools that we have to deal with them in the moment. And oftentimes I think there's nothing that should be dealt with in the moment when emotions are high. Like those things need to be felt and those things need to be expressed oftentimes, hopefully safely, hopefully when you're safe and all the other people around you are safe. But you know, sometimes our emotions need to be peaked and we need to have, you know, really visceral experiences in this life. But for those things that linger and for those things that you just continuously see patterning out through your experience of life after the fact, tapping is an amazing solution. And I implore you to listen to the entirety of this podcast because the person who I have on this week talking about tapping is such an amazing healer that through the experience of healing, hearing her voice, you can almost feel the frequency of what it feels like to go through a healing experience with her through the technology of tapping. And it's more, it's more than just like a, this is how you tap podcast. It's, Again, like all of, if you're used to listening to my podcast, the whole experience should bring you to a place of understanding from a frequency level, what it is that you're hearing, what it is that we're talking about and how that frequency, you know, either through tapping or maybe even other practices might help you to transform something in your life. You know, I like me personally, I like listening to podcasts of people of talking about things that I'm curious about because what it often does for me is it brings me to the place of complete understanding. If I find that right person, I can just immediately be brought into the frequency of what that topic is. And then I know how to sort of integrate it. I know if I need to go have a session with someone who's doing something similar, I know if I can use the tips and tools to just integrate you know, it's very simply those practices into my life. But getting into the depth of frequency with someone who's really good at a methodology can help to inspire you on what to do next. So I hope you love it as much as I do. I hope you enjoy listening to Amy. She's such a beautiful being of light and love. Uh, she Last time I talked to her, she was on the West Coast. I'm pretty sure she still is. And if you want to get in touch with her directly, her website is Tapping for Truth. Enjoy. You're listening to a fresh new podcast from the owner of the celebrity acclaimed Raw Republic Juice Bar and Wellness Center in New Orleans, Louisiana, Sheena Manina. Yes, that's her real name. This is Raw Talk with Sheena. Welcome to the podcast. I love these types of conversations where we really, we've really never had a one-on-one conversation but I've sort of been in your field through the Runga crew that we're both connected to. Yes. And I could just sort of, I could just feel like you're offering that present and sort of um, beautiful feminine, like space holding energy that mm. I think so many people need right now. And your practice is EFT, but I sort of just want to uh, know about your story and getting involved in healing work. 
Sure. Yeah. Well, I began EFT as a client, gosh, probably I think about 15 years ago. And I kind of just fell into it. Um, A friend of mine just suggested it and I found an amazing practitioner and worked with her for several years. And she just encouraged me. She was like, you love this so much. And it just, I mean, I really mean it when I say it transformed me. Okay. Absolutely. And can go into detail about that, but definitely I just, want you to. Yeah. And I, well, I want to know like what, um, what first brought you there and then like, to stay, there, yeah. yeah. And then to stay committed to any practice for that long. I mean, yeah. I'd love to hear about this. I, with EFT, it just is such a quick, it's just so quick. I mean, to put it that simply, it's, it doesn't take years to get somewhere. And I mean, any kind of spiritual practice, I mean, you have to stay committed. But I also do Kundalini Yoga and, you know, obviously any kind of committed work produces results. But what is so beautiful about EFT is that you can drop things that you've been carrying for so many years. By that, I mean unhealthy patterns, um, negative belief systems that were developed when you were young. And they can be eliminated so quickly. And I think that's the draw is that, and I want to be careful what I say about, I think talk therapy can be amazing and you can get a lot of insight and understanding. But I think where EFT comes in is it's a quick way to get to kind of hack in and drop things that you've been carrying the way you've perceived the world. Yes. So uh, for myself, my personal story is that I, well, I, I was looking, I was devastated from a relationship that ended and was pretty depressed, I'd say, and couldn't really find anything that helped and was just in this really stagnant place um, with a broken heart. And EFT was suggested, so I figured, great, I'll try it. And this relationship I'd been in was one of several. It was like the same thing kept happening to me. Mm. And I didn't see it. I didn't see the pattern at the time. Couple EFT sessions, I realized exactly what was happening and why due to some experiences in my childhood. And I was able to break the pattern in just, I don't know, like maybe three or four sessions. Wow. And then was back to myself again and out. And for me, it was, you know, dating again, connecting, being social, everything that I had kind of stopped. And, you know, and I continued to see that practitioner then for other reasons. But we, you know, it was such a quick transformation and turnaround for me that I was hooked. <laughs> I was really hooked. So when you, so some people may not know what EFT is. I'm, yeah. I'm familiar and I've talked about it on the podcast a little bit. So, but if you could give a little bit of insight into a session and then talk about how, you know, talking about the present condition, which in your, which in your example would be the devastation from a relationship, how does that begin to sort of unlayer what may have created that situation? Yeah, good question. Um, I always laugh because, or I often laugh because what what someone comes to me for is often not even the thing, <laughs> you know? And so it's really fun. I mean, I just adore this work, obviously. Um, 
So let me give an example. So someone comes to me, let's say they're married, even, you know, their partner, and they're having a recurring issue with their partner and, you know, whatnot. And we kind of just look at it and then, but it might start as them saying, you know what, we're always fighting. Mm. Okay, great. So we look at that. Then we kind of uncover what's underneath it. Who is this person standing in for? Is this, does this person remind you of someone else? Is this kind of a, um, are they standing in for another person that was around early in your life? Or let's say someone, I get this a lot too. Someone comes to me with trouble at work, maybe with a boss, a superior, a coworker. Um, And it's like, well, has this happened before? And the answer, sometimes there's isolated things and that's a very quick, we can just deal with general stress and anxiety too. But oftentimes there's something going on, Mm -hmm. a kind of pattern. You know what? This happened in my last job too. All right, well, let's look at that. Or even a health problem. It doesn't have to be emotional. It could be a physical issue. I want to know when did this start? What was going on in your life when it started? And what are the beliefs around that? So whether it's health, relationship, emotions, um, physical pain, we want to look at like where it started and, and, and kind of what's underneath it. So you're sort of eliciting the, the person undergoing the, the treatment to just go back into their memory bank. Yeah. The first thing that they could sort of trace as like with similarities. Is that right? True. So, I, and I'm sorry, I didn't answer your question. The way the session begins is always, you know, I just briefly explained EFT, which I say it's like emotional acupuncture, right? It's like we're just um, combining these acupressure points with a little psychology and we're just peeling back the layers on something. So I usually put it very simply that we're tapping to reduce kind of any emotional response or any disruption. But I start the session by just tapping on whatever they came to me for, right? Like okay. whatever it is. And then it, it always works that then something else comes out. So if they come to me, hey, I'm having trouble with my boss, we start there, right? I don't just dive in saying, well, you probably have childhood memory, you know, we just start tapping on that. But uh, without fail, it usually begins as they relax. <clears throat> certain memories and feelings surface and then and up from there comes kind of the root or seed of whatever the issue is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's coming to mind for me is that a lot of times when I start uncovering, <clears throat> I, I would say like my, I have a very broad perspective of my life. And so whenever I, am dealing with something for me, it just always feels like there's a huge infinite pool of things that contribute to that past, present and future. And Mm -hmm. so the resolution I think is harder to find for me. Whereas like what you're describing seems very enticing because it seems very like black and white, you know, you come in with this sort of discontent or um, aggravation or mental stress, and it 
literally goes away. Um, right. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I think sometimes people think, oh, wow, if they have a certain issue, they think, oh my gosh, am I going to have to go back and work on every memory of my entire life? But there's this beautiful thing that happens with EFT. We call it the generalization effect. So let's say you worked on a few memories that came up around a certain issue, right? Like I said, from health, emotional well-being, anything, right? Um, you usually only have to work on a few key memories or a few key experiences that you remember in your mind. And then what's so beautiful, it can often generalize to all the memories or like you said, all the things that kind of led up to this certain thing that's going on in your life. Yeah. So that is a wonderful thing with EFT. And I think I just also want to make the distinction, you know, EFT is wonderful for just general stress and anxiety. Like, there isn't always some like underlying, you know, you can use it just for your day-to-day stress or for life events that just happen, but it's, it's really a powerhouse for trauma work too. And by trauma, we call it little T trauma and big T trauma. It can be little things that happened in your childhood or your life. You might've had a bad car accident last month, anything, right? Yeah. You take out the charge around it. Mm-hmm. That's usually how I describe EFT is we're taking down the charge around something so that you can remember something. Oh, I had that really bad car accident some years ago. It was pretty, pretty bad, but I don't have any emotion around it anymore. Mm. Right? I'm cutting off that, not numbing out to it, but taking away the charge around it. So it's not, doesn't cause that fight or flight. So what if people have a memory of something but they they are numb to that memory, but perhaps that um, experience is sort of playing out in their day to day. Oh gosh, I love your questions. Oh, this is all like real time. Like this happens in sessions a lot. I'll have clients say, um, "Well, I had this bad thing happen, but I'm not mad about it." I'm like, right. "Okay, yeah, that's fine." Um, but, or, 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 you know, I, I was abused when I was a child. Let's say it's something very serious. I'll even go as far as physical or sexual abuse. But, but I worked on it already and I don't have any feelings around it. No anger. I'm like, okay, great. But something's showing up in their life that tells me that something's still going on. I say, okay, fine. Let's just tap for a little bit and see and, and whatever. And usually they'll tap into the anger, grief, frustration, um, shame, guilt, whatever the heavy. And they'll go, oh my gosh, I didn't know how much anger I still had around that or or put in whatever word you want. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, I think is with experience, you kind of begin to learn, did they really work on it? And sometimes someone already has done a lot of work around something and they really don't need to go back. Other times I'm like, "Mm." I'd say more often than not, when someone goes, I'm not angry. (laughs) I'm like, okay. And in my mind, I'm like, all right, you know, come on, (laughs) let's, let's get really, but I don't say that. Of course, as we tap, usually it gets into the release of whatever that emotion Mm -hmm. is. And they, Mm -hmm. then, then they say, wow, I did not know how mad I still was Wow, at my whomever, dad, mom, Mm -hmm. sibling, partner. And so I think in the release, that's what's so beautiful is you're releasing it is when they realize wow, I, I still was carrying a lot of resentment towards 
that person. Yeah. Wow. So that's, that's very true though. I'd say very often someone says, well, I'm not, I'm not mad about it anymore. Mm -hmm. But I think what's cool about EFT is while they're tapping, the anger might go up for a second, Mm -hmm. but then with the end of the tapping rounds, it, 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 it will go down as we work through it. So are people dictating their emotions during this process? Are they saying, you know, I'm feeling anger? Or are they just sort of experiencing it and then continuing to tap? We, I'd say in the rounds of tapping, as you go through all the points, I mean, I'm just, this is just a rough estimate. Like you probably go to, through three or four rounds. And then I stop and say, hey, how's, um, let's say the feelings, uh, resentment. How is that resentment doing? If the number's gone up, zero to 10, you know, 10 being the most, okay, what else is still bothering you? Mm-hmm. And then we really get after the specifics of where the emotion or why that feeling is there. And then we continue to tap until that number goes down, hopefully to zero. Um, the, the intensity of the emotion goes down to zero. So we keep going after it as different aspects of the emotion come up, right? You know, you could tap on, let's say someone's angry towards their father or something. That's very general, right? Like, oh, I'm angry. Well, you want to pick apart the reasons, like what, why, what is it? What, you know, and so as we're peeling back the layers, it's, it's kind of amazing with EFT. I think more feelings, emotions, memories come up. And so they can give more language to it. And then mm-hmm. I'm using their words. And of course I add in my own intuition too, but I'm using their words. So it just continues to peel back to get to the root of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how is this connected to sort of, because things that are not in the present memory, is it correct to say that they're in the subconscious memory? Like yeah. they're sort of layered back there? And and is EFT accessing that subconscious bank, if you will? It, it is. Um that I always tell people, or we, any EFT practitioner will tell the client, we're talking to your subconscious mind, hmm. right? We're, we're digging And is up. that only possible because you're, you're calming the conscious brain through the tapping? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Thank you so much. Again, a great question. Um, I didn't mention this yet, but the tapping, the tapping is accessing a part of the brain, the limbic brain. Mm, just think of it as the emotional brain. And so the idea is that talk therapy accesses from top down, mm. right? We're going to the frontal lobe, you know, the, the newer part of our brains, whereas the tapping is actually directly affecting the emotional brain, the limbic brain, where the amygdala is, is housed, where fight or flight is, um, and memories are stored in emotions. So the tapping has this direct effect to downregulate any kind of um, stress response. So we're talking, obviously, to access, you know, our, our, our you know, frontal lobe, but then we're tapping to access this part of the brain that can't be accessed through spoken language. So mm. that's why we're tapping. That's why we're using these acupressure points to get to that part of the body that doesn't process spoken language. So an example of that, because this is a really common one, um, someone will say, well, I have panic attacks and they've already done some work, let's say with a therapist and they know why they say, well, 
such and such happened when I was a child and I, or even a few years ago to, to create these panic attacks. And you say, okay, okay, I've got it. And they say, well, I know why I'm having them, but I cannot stop them. Even when I'm home in a safe place, I'm in a, I get in full blown panic attacks. So the idea there is you can understand why it's occurring, but the, the, the amygdala or the limbic brain is still going into this fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So with the tapping, we're, we're trying to access, or we are trying, we are accessing this part of the brain. Mm. Yeah. So to me, it seems like this is very obvious, you know, um, I guess because I've been inquisitive about personal development for 10 years, it seems so obvious that <clears throat> exactly what you're saying, that you will continue to experience the reality of your subconscious brain in your conscious life until you release the emotion, the feeling, the memory, um, and allow it to be safe in your mind and in your body. And EFT seems, you know, it's just, it's a non, um, I guess like it's, it's not requiring you to take any drugs that could have potential side effects. There's no, um, there really is no potential like side effect of this process because it's just, it's using the bodies. I guess it's just so interesting. Like it's, it's like acupuncture, exactly how you described it. I think that's so, such a beautiful, um, description. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so to me, like I've kind of gone through, you know, it seems so obvious, like when you're dealing with trauma, when you're dealing with specific things, like this is a necessity for healing. When it becomes a question in my mind is I think, um, in this sort of general optimization, life expansive practices that likely I think that you've probably used this practice for, um, I would love to have a better understanding of how it can sort of optimize and expand um, your ability to receive and experience those once, but maybe think will never be possible mm-hmm. for you. So have you used it in that way? I mean, yeah. 15 years, sure, surely you have. Yeah, of course. Um, a huge kind of I guess tenant is the word of, of EFT is belief work. We work on beliefs. I also, I, I work with people one-on-one, but I also train others in EFT. And I love teaching this and, and of course, also explaining it to my clients. But what the beautiful thing is we're, we're, we're working with any limiting beliefs. Now you say, well, what are mine, right? Sometimes we right. don't even know what they are. And I, through the process of EFT, that is often what we're looking for. Not every session, because I guess there are, but we want to look at if there's any any kind of pattern or theme in our lives, any recurring issue, um, we want to look at, is there a limiting belief there? Is there a core belief? Not a good core belief, not, not you know, there's positive core beliefs, but a negative core belief mm-hmm. that I picked up when I was younger <clears throat> that isn't true. Okay, so examples of that, there really aren't that many when you look at like, in the lens of a child, they can be, I'm not worthy. I'm not special. Uh, I'll be abandoned. The world is not a safe place. Um, 
the idea that I'm something's wrong with me. It's another belief. Um, so, or it's not okay to be better than anyone, right? I, I have to stay small. Like, so there's, there's maybe like nine or 10 beliefs that, that, that sometimes get formed as kids that, that we see the world through this perceptual lens. So how does that show up in life? Maybe financial problems, issues with prosperity, a recurring healthy issue, um, uh, recurring relationship problems, trouble holding a job, uh, keeping a job. Um, so, so it becomes out in these variety of ways, but when you really get to the crux of it, where, what, what is the core belief that stands behind that, that you're seeing the world this way? So I'm, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but kind of we, we are, that is a huge, huge part of EFT is looking for if there's a limiting belief, if there is one, when it was formed and we need to re, like how we can want to reverse that. And that's yeah. what we're trying to reverse that lens um, that you're seeing the world through. Cause that's why the, the issue keeps coming up. Right. Or the reality is experienced in Correct. that way. Reality could put, that's perfectly sad. How, how they're experiencing reality. Can you give some of the ways that you've sort of transpired these limiting beliefs in your own life or an example of one and how it's changed with the EFT? Yeah. Well, the, the first thing for me, when I, when I said I went back to uh, going back to my first session, I didn't realize I was carrying around this theme of abandonment. Mm. And that's exactly what was happening in my relationships. I mean, it's almost like when I think back to these three relationships, they ended in almost the exact same way where in my memory, it's, I, I almost like, it's almost like the same person, even though wow. it was three different people. Mm-hmm. I, looking back now, I'm like, how did I not see that like pattern? You know, it's so obvious now. Right. But, um, once I identified where this abandonment thing came from, it came around like five years of age for me. And, um, once I identified that healed the memory, it never happened again. Wow. Never had that problem in a relationship ever. It was like, it just was gone. And, I, you know, I think it's so hard sometimes for yourself to see where the patterns are. Yes. But when you're working with practitioner, it's like, oh my God, that's so obvious. How did I not see that? Yeah. Um, So for me, it was a theme around abandonment. Um, And again, I wasn't like abandoned by my parents in in an Mm -hmm. overt way, but in in, in more of a subtle way. Yeah. Um, But it, uh, it showed up that way in my life. Wow. And so after you, after you sort of did the processes of healing it, was it in your mind that like, this is too good to be true that that's healed, that this won't be my reality anymore? Is there a part of the work that has to convince you that this is your new experience of life? Do you know, not for me. I think I was so ready. Like I was just like, I am so done with this pattern in my life. Yeah. Um, but we actually, in my training, we do address that because sometimes changes happen so fast. The mind doesn't want to believe it. It's like, there's no way that physical problem can be gone. Let's say it's a chronic um, autoimmune dysfunction or a chronic mm-hmm. health problem, something really mm-hmm. big. If we eliminate it um, or, or at least make it minimize it a great deal, the person's like, 
I've, I've gone to all these health people, practitioners, all, there's no way that just worked. So we actually tap on the disbelief. I like, mm-hmm. I want clients to tell me like, hey, I don't believe that just happened. And we tap on that. We say, even though there is no way that worked. <laughs> I do not believe in this. I'm going to come to a peaceful place about it. And I tap through every whatever they told me, whatever they don't believe, we actually tap on it. Um, I love that. I think it's hilarious when I get a client who's like, hey, I'm ready for our session. This isn't going to work. But um, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, hey, I think it's hilarious. I'm like, I'm so glad they tell me because before I even want to hear what they're coming to me for, I'm like, let me, let's just tap on your, on your, on your, you know, um, sorry, resistance. That's what I want. Resistance mm-hmm. to the session because I want to get after that first. Then, hey, you know, let's talk about your issue. But um, no, I think it's really fun. And I like when people are honest about, their disbelief or, or resistance. Cause I want to tap on that first to get them in a better place before we actually start. Yes. Mm-hmm. One of the limiting beliefs that you mentioned was, I don't think I can be better than anyone else. And I kind of resonated with that because, um, I just, I just have, I think that I feel, yeah, there's definitely, and there's definitely a part of me that feels like the world is unfair. And so, you That's know, another belief. thank you. I forgot to yeah. mention. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be unfair for me to become more comfortable or become more, you know, financially safe or to become more attractive or to love myself more, to love my body more, because there are so many people with less that, um, it wouldn't be fair for me to expand into that reality. And yet I can feel a part of my soul wanting that for me so that I can do Mm -hmm. more, be more, enjoy more, learn more, share more, Mm -hmm. all those things. That is great. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I think that looking at beliefs, it's it's interesting also to know what part of the country or world um, the person has grown up in. And I say that because my mentor always pointed, I'm from the Midwest, I'm from Michigan originally, even though I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles now. Um, and there was always this idea that everyone's the same, you know, everything's equal. Mm-hmm. And we all have the same. And I was even raised in my family that way. All, all my siblings, we all got the very same amount and no one got more than the other. And it was like, almost like you're not supposed to outshine someone else. Mm-hmm. It, and more in like, it, it wasn't supposed to be negative. You know, it's supposed to be, hey, we're all the same and equal. And that's a beautiful thing. But it almost kept you in this place of like not wanting to be, not really excelling beyond the potential you have. And I noticed that showing up in my life several years ago. And I did work on that because it was like, well, why is this staying the same? Why? why? And that could show up in anything from your financial prosperity prosperity of your business, your relationship. I mean, it could be anything of, of I, I, it's not okay for me to do better than others. And yeah, I think it's important to look at it because it can show up as shrinking back a bit. Yeah. Um, And so, 
sometimes knowing, especially with money stuff, because I think a lot of financial prosperity stuff comes from our parents and our, the, the, the society in which we grew up. Um, so I always like to know, where did you grow up? What, what was it like? What was your schooling like? What, what did you, what are your relatives like? So yeah, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also interesting because, you know, when you get super base level at some point, I, I assume that you have to hit the laws of the universe or the or laws of nature. Um, people are very critical about this, what I'm about to say, people are very critical of me for this um, <clears throat> because f- my perspective makes it quite difficult to see something as being true or not true, true or false. Like I can always see that there's truth in almost anyone's perception or, or there's a right, like it's very difficult for me to see something as right or wrong. So those, those def- definitions and those you know, defining aspects for me are difficult to grasp, but I would assume, you know, at some point, if you're, if you're trying to create this experience, like if if we're using the example we were just talking about, like the example of sort of abundance, then you have to, you as the practitioner and you as the client at some point have to agree that we live in an abundant universe it's always what's true for them though. Okay. Right. So whatever their, I mean, I, I, I guess you're saying, cause it's different for every person, right? Well, my thought is like, if someone is trying to overcome their limitation, mm-hmm. then they have to sort of agree that that limitation isn't real in their world. True. They, they have to want that. Right. Right. Yeah. So they have to then create maybe a new set of values about the world, the universe, how the world works. Is that true? Well, it's more just taking, I I think it's almost smaller than, well, I mean, I guess it's a big thing, but it's really a little simpler of just taking away the limiting belief that they have. And then all of that kind of goes away. I mean, yes, it is restructuring it. You're right. I I guess I didn't think of it that way. I think I'm more on the base level of the individual and the lens they're seeing it through. And it's usually if we go after where this came from, well, my dad said I couldn't. um, It'd be hard making money doing something I love. So I'm not supposed to. I get that a lot. I'm not supposed to love my job. So then what happens? Well, this side career that they're trying to launch, what they're really passionate about is failing. And they're still an accountant, let's say, or mm-hmm. an engineer, and they hate mm-hmm. it. And so we go, well, why is your business, why can't you launch, why is this not happening? Well, I w- was told that, you know, you're not really supposed to like your job, work is terrible, and what, like, and so that's how it's showing up. So once we go after where the belief came from, it just naturally restructures the way they see. It, you just, you can't help but expand into possibility. Mm or what is possible Yeah. when you take away maybe one or two things that were feeding that belief. You know, well, my dad always hated his job. Well, okay. That was his story. You know? Um, and I think, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think it just naturally restructures the way they see things. When you take away these kind of 
roots, these few yeah. roots, like going into the issue. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm like deciphering from your perspective is that basically the world is infinite potential and the only thing blocking you from that are your limiting beliefs. Yeah. I mean, I do, you know, which I think is great. And I think it's loss of nature, of course, and there's things and, and listen, bad things happen, right? It's like the polarity on the planet, right? Sometimes bad stuff happens to us, but it's kind of like, yeah, we're always looking to expand and eliminate the negative thought patterns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why do you think we, do you think that as we've become more conscious creators or more conscious beings, we have sort of assimilated things to limit that potential? And, and why do you think that we've, why do you think that that's been sort of our course? Hmm. Let me make sure I understand your question. Being more conscious, we real maybe as we, are you saying as we become more conscious, we realize our limitations or we create them? Which do you think is true? I mean, I think a lot is created when we're young. I really do. I mean, I think that there are experiences, of course, after seven years of age, you can have trauma anytime in your life or in, in trauma. Again, we could also call it just a bad experience if you don't want to label it the T word. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think a lot is formed before seven years of age. I really do. And even in utero, you're picking up mom's beliefs or, or, or emotional react, you know? Wow. <clears throat> and so, um, like, let me give an, so I, I guess a lot I think is formed at a young age. And I think that we can go back and look at that. Or if it's an experience that happened in adulthood, um, let's say a, 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 a client might, let's say they go through a divorce and they just, we realize they just feel very unworthy of love which was, you know, not good <laughs> to, right. to, to feel that way. Um, we would work on that in the very present moment of what's going on in that person's life right now. I'd say very often we will come up. This is not a new thing. Okay. If it is an isolated thing, we work on it, right? Done. If this was something that was formed at a young age, which I'd say oftentimes is, can we also go after that? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I guess in my experience would say that quite frequently it's something that was formed, a belief that was formed at a young age. Through, because this idea with kids is that they're so, we call it like hyper-suggestible. The way their brains work before seven years of age is they take on something to be true, mm-hmm. which actually isn't. Or they misinterpret something they've witnessed from watching their Mm. family and they think, Oh yeah, this is how the world works. And then they see it through that lens. Wow. I mean, so, but, but, you know, I guess that's kind of just how I see it happening. Wow. I was trying to think of another example. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Ask your question. I just think it's so interesting that, you know, like what would be, the purpose and reasoning for this part of our brain, 
you know, obviously we have to be able to function in the environment in which we're born. So we have to create sort of a basis of where we are and how it works and how to participate. I think it's so interesting that we've evolved to a place where we can bend our reality to create something new that's more in alignment with who we are as an individual or as an individual soul trying to experience its individual path. I think that's so interesting. And I I think that's what I was trying to get at earlier because this, this process does that. And what an excelled way of living. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. I was thinking of like other examples I could give to keep it from being like, to sound too esoteric, but it's really like some real life things. Like, let's say someone comes to me. Um, okay. Something as simple as like weight loss. Or I don't mean simple, but just, uh, you know, a combination. Oh gosh. I'm like, wow. I'm right, sure no right. one thinks that's simple. I, I, didn't mean to, <laughs> I didn't mean to say simple. I meant something um, com- like It's common. black and white. Also. Yeah. Weight loss, they say, hey, listen, I don't know what's going on. I, I eat while I exercise and I'm carrying this weight. Let's say they're already doing the other things. Um, well, so we start just tapping on that, right? Like they're frustrated and it is frustrating. I'm carrying this weight around. I'm Let's say they're already like on a good health plan, okay? Eating well and doing some things or they've began to exercise, whatnot. And... They, they have positive affirmations around the house. I'm going to lose 30 pounds or put the, put the amount in there, 10 pounds, whatever it is. They, we want to look at, well, why, why is this, why are you holding on to this? Okay. Is this a layer of protection? Are you carrying an emotion that you don't need anymore? Okay. Right. Like, why are you carrying this extra weight? So we kind of want to look at that. And is there also a reason you're keeping an odds unconsciously? Well, if I lose the weight, I'm going to have to start dating again. Mm. Or if I lose this weight, I might make so-and-so jealous. Okay. If I lose the weight, whatever, you insert the word. Or we look at, when did this, when did this begin for you? Okay. So one of my clients said, well, you know, I, I, I started putting on weight when I was 13. Well, what was going on then? This is a female client. She says, well, so this took time. I mean, this is, this is through rounds of tapping. We're going back. And she says, you know what happened? I, I, I started gaining a lot of weight at 13. Well, what went on? She was a, a, a young girl who was developed early. She got curves ahead of all the other girls. Breast was attractive, right? And started getting male attention from men older than she. Inappropriate attention. Mm-hmm. Um, she was not abused, but did got, got this unwanted male attention. So what did she do to protect herself? Right. She put it mm-hmm. So that was kind of an easy one to figure out. This is why this is happening. I did this to kind of hide. <clears throat> yeah. So that's like one example of something that was pretty easy to figure out of, oh, I don't actually don't need to do that anymore. I am safe. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if that's the case, I, obviously that was her, that was her story. But so you kind of want to look at, you know, the person comes to me saying, Hey, I want to lose weight. We just start there. Hey, what's frustrating. Tell me, how are you feeling? Well, I'm upset. 
this is, I don't know what's going on. My body is not cooperating. Mm -hmm. There's self-loathing involved. So we get that away first. Let's stop hating ourselves. Then when did this start? So it's kind of like we just kind of go through the thing to get back to where it began and what were the, when and why. So that kind of puts it in a framework of a session. Yeah. That helps. What percentage of tapping do you think is esoteric and what percent do you think is scientific? Oh gosh. Well, I think that's a great question. I think EFT depends on my audience who I'm talking to, but no, I think EFT is very scientific and there's a lot of research being done finally now. Um, as a wonderful, I'll just name she, um, a woman in the field named Peta Stapleton. She has a lot of books and a lot of research on EFT, which is so needed. Um, but we, I, you know, so I, I, I do like to explain it that way. And the brain, especially if someone is not into the energetics, they might not even believe in, maybe they believe in acupuncture, right? They're coming to me. They're like, listen, I just do not believe in this stuff. I say, okay, I try to explain the brain. I explain the fight or flight. I explain the limbic brain, the amygdala. Hey, we're just tapping to get these, your cortisol level down. People understand that, right? The stress hormone, we're tapping to get that down. We're tapping to decrease the stress response. And then um, to kind of understand why you're having this problem. And that people really get that, right? Even if they don't believe in, um, energetics, right. Of, of the body and the energy field. Now that said, EFT obviously works on the entire system, the energy system, right. But it, it depends on, you know, I think there, so I think it's both, you know, it works on the meridians, which are, that's our energy system. But if someone is a little more sciencey and and they're like, well, I don't believe in let's say Reiki or or hypnosis mm-hmm. or these different things, I just say, great, <clears throat> this is very scientific. We're working with your brain, your stress response, cortisol levels. Like I kind of put it from that angle, um, to help them know that it's not like woo woo or it's not out there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's similar to any other healing practice? Well, hmm. I think each has its own thing. People, uh, I have not, I have not tried this as a client, but the, um, if you've heard of EMDR. Yes. So the eye movement desensitization mm-hmm. response, I think, EMDR. Um where you use eye gaze to desensitize. I guess that will be the most, like that work and our work, I'd say is probably most aligned. And then of course, acupuncture. I mean. Wow. Okay. Well, acupuncture, I can certainly feel. And I think I was thinking about this last night when I was thinking about our podcast, I was thinking you know, would it be a similar effect if you had acupuncture needles in you and sort of at that time we're doing some of this talking through? Yeah, um, it would be interesting to try it out. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say, and I haven't talked about my experiences with EFT on this on this call yet, but I mean, I will say um, 
tapping has been one of the most natural ways that I've accessed emotions that I didn't know were there or that I've broken through um, sort of that stark facade relating to um, or just covering what's underneath. Like, you know, for example, I went to a Gabby Bernstein uh, conference a couple of years back and we were just simply tapping on one point on our hand. Um, yeah. And it was in a group session and this doesn't happen to me ever, but I just started streaming tears, streaming tears. Yeah. Um, I also felt like I had an intuitive knowing of the process because I had done some practitioner work before and I walked one of my friends through a tapping session Mm-hmm. And I saw the power of, you know, I shouldn't have done this because I wasn't trained, but I told she knew that I wasn't trained. But what I saw happening was like just through this very peaceful um, protocol and in, in terms of like the script, mm-hmm. her emotionality changed so quickly mm-hmm. and and her ability to access her emotions relating to this topic was undeniable. Um, and you know, that was another impressive example. And then there have been times where I didn't know what else to do personally. Um, and I just started tapping, like going through the points and breathing and sort of thinking about what I was experiencing. And I, I mean, the sense of calm that I, I wish I had the discipline to do it more often. And I do want to, to, um, you know, because everything that we've talked about is so relevant in, I'm sure, everyone's lives. Like, we're all not only trying to um, get past ourselves in what we're trying to create or be or do, but we're also just trying to love ourselves and our world more. And it just seems like a, like such a peaceful practice to bring us to that place. Um, and I see, like, I see no downfall to that. You know, even though it's, it's hard for, you know, I did, I didn't tell you this, but I have taken a break from the podcast for about a year, um, because I thought that the environment was super challenging to be authentic in. I was very Mm -hmm. afraid of people misinterpreting me. I was very afraid of, um, not being considerate of other people's perspectives by having my own and all those things. Um, but I've sort of realized over the past year or so is that it's really, it's not, it's not possible for me to express for other people. The only purpose in my learning in this way and sharing in this way is to support the people of which this information is in alignment. Absolutely. That's so perfectly sad. So I'm sure, um, and, and this practice is for everyone. It is. I, I appreciate your story too. That's so great. And um, you know how you said, oh, I shouldn't have done it with a friend. Actually, <laughs> I think you should. I mean, I tell my clients, obviously, one-on-one work is so powerful. But I do, this isn't, you aren't supposed to have to keep coming to see me or any practitioner. It's, you reach out when you need it. Maybe you have three to five sessions. I don't know. I'm just throwing that number out there. And then you are supposed to do it on your own. 
And then in, in a month or two months, or I do have regular clients, something comes up, they reach out, hey, I need another three sessions. I'm having some trouble with mm-hmm. Y and Z. But it is a self-healing tool and we want, we encourage doing it on your own once you know the points and all that. So I think that's awesome that you did it with a friend and let her experience that or he or she. And I think that um, you having this podcast and working through your own fear you know, it's so, I always think like being heard and seen can be so scary. So I think it's so great to work through that fear. And because whoever is supposed to hear the message, this message or whatever podcast you do is going to hear it, you know, and I just think that's so perfect, you know? Yeah. I did want to say something in response to something you said about EFT. Oh, so it is so painless. I think that's why people like it. And they know they're going to, even if, let's say we don't even get to the root of the issue and my, my sessions are 90 minutes. Let's say the last five minutes we get, oh my gosh, this is why I've been doing this thing. They're going to feel better. They are going to feel better. Yeah. And it's not like, uh, like this painful thing as you're shedding the, the weight around an issue or, or just the, the emotion you can, you're going to feel better. So I right. think that's why people like it. Um, it's and painless then, and it's side effect free. Yeah, side effect free. Yeah, that's good. I didn't think of that. I'm going to start saying that. Well, like that. because, well, I say that, Amy, because, you know, I've been attracted to psychedelic work for a long time, mm. thinking that <clears throat> there was no other way for me to get out of my own way. Like, mm. no one, you know, I've always told myself, like, no one can help me. No one's going to be able to get, no one's going to be able to get to that place of understanding, like, those depths within me, likely, because it's difficult for me to do myself, and I'm me, and I can, and I always, have always felt like, whether it's true or not, I've always felt that I can outsmart any therapist. Like, my subconscious brain is going to protect those things that are creating my pain, and no one's going to be able to, um, remove that unless like I take a drug that makes it not an option, you know? So that's why that process has been attractive to me. And I have done mushroom ceremonies and, um, I've had, and they were all either by myself or with one other person. So not really a traditional ceremony. I've sort of just Mm -hmm. like, you know, had an intention and, you know, tried to, you know, have this feeling or whatever. Um, but I will say, uh, there's, you know, I had an unintentional experience with cannabis one time. Like I took, I ate too many edibles <laughs> in Colorado and, um, there was this sort of like dark night of the soul experience where I was different for a month or two at a time. Like I was definitely in this place of, uh, depression and darkness. And I was, you know, perhaps a part of me was dying and, and perhaps that was an intentional thing, like sort of a Fortean experience that I created. Who knows? knows, Um, yeah, who knows? And, and maybe, you know, healing is not linear and, and many things are needed for many people, but, um, I am at a time in my life where I haven't, I, and I don't, take anything mind altering. And so I'm coming back to these practices that 
really, like you said at the beginning, they just require your belief in the potential of things happening for you, um, for them to work. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the plant medicine because, you know, I do have clients that, that, that do that and I have no judgment around, you know, other things that people do. I'm just, Hey, if you want to try EFT, great. Um, I, I have seen that happen though, where, cause with my clients, they'll, they'll go do a ceremonial, a formal thing. Maybe they'll go to Costa Rica. It's a popular place. They'll go on like a seven to 10 day thing. And they have this amazing experience, right? They just, they write me like, oh my gosh. And I had all this insight and great, great, great. Then they get back home and they don't have the structure to, I guess the word would be integrate. Right. They, the opening they had. Right. And I've witnessed that where they kind of, well, they come to me (laughs) telling me I'm not, this isn't my, this is them coming to me saying I'm falling apart Mm. and I'm really freaking out. Mm. And I don't know. I had this amazing time, but now I'm back home and I, I don't feel good. And I'm depressed, you know, whatever depression, usually darkness, right. Things don't and, fit now. Like, right. And, and I don't know if that's supposed to happen or not. Cause I, like I said, I'm not certainly not an expert on that, but I do know they need to put something in place. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you start doing a little tapping in the morning or it, or can you just do like a three minute meditation every morning when you wake up? Like even that I'll give them something <laughs> to do. Um, very small, if it's either tapping or a meditation, can you do this every morning so we can get you grounded and back, you know, um, cause I have seen that happen, unfortunately. Yeah. If they don't have any kind of way to integrate. Now some yeah. people are, some people get back and they're able to integrate the thing, but they usually have some sort of practice in place, some sort of spiritual practice. Yes. Or maybe an awareness that, you know, that is the potential for such a transformative experience. And the funny thing is that, you know, sometimes (laughs) like we as humans, we're always seeking comfort, but we always want, um, we always want more as well. And so we think that we can create that opening or that quantum leap um, sometimes through the promises of what plant medicine promises to provide and scientifically it does in like for many people unlock the subconscious in a way that those everything that we've talked about that's true for EFT can be true in these experiences where those memories are brought up and they can be reaccessed and they can be reworked and potentially assimilated Um, but because you're in an altered state you know, the, the groundedness, like you mentioned, sometimes doesn't land. And so, you know, from that, from that sort of intuitive perspective, I'm just seeing like, you know, the memories are reaccessed and reopened and maybe you find a new reality or a new perception of those memories, but because you're in a psychedelic state or altered state, and maybe you don't have a therapist there to sort of land, um, where that fits into your present day, you sort of, it's still floating after. And so, yeah, it definitely makes sense that, you know, it works really well in sort of a maps, um, program programmed, um, setting where, you know, those topics are brought up intentionally. They're then worked with the therapist and all those things. It also makes sense that someone would come to you after, 
an experience like that for integration support to say, right. you know, this is how I feel about something that I've seen. This is how I feel in my day-to-day life. Like yeah. EFT just does seem like that super grounded way to um, assimilate. And the reason what I'm seeing as a parallel yeah. to that is that groundedness to me is associated with the body and mm-hmm. EFT correct me if you see it differently, but it seems like EFT never separates you from your body. Mm-hmm. Like it's true. a body experience. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I think I love that you just said that the assimilate and not just assimilate what happened is, is can I process the emotion? Mm-hmm. Can I process it through my body? Um, as you were talking, I love how you just said that because I'm thinking about the clients, the type of client that's come to me after the ceremonial work or any kind of plant medicine. And it's usually those that are a little more um, floaty. They're just a little more like in the clouds, you know. Um, and I, I'll describe myself as that. I, I do EFT and yoga all the time because if I don't, I'm yeah. like not, in the earth. I'm not on the earth with everybody. Yeah. Um, because I don't know where I am, but anyway, no. Um, and so I do things to really, really keep myself present on earth and it works for me. Right. I found the things that work for me. But, um, when I think of these clients that have come back from that, it's usually those that are already a little dreamy in in ways and need grounding practices. Mm. And so I think that's where those folks, yeah, they're just, they need to be pulled to earth. How can I integrate this? Get back in my body. Exactly. I wonder where the resistance comes from in those people. I would say I've, I've been that person many times. Yeah. It's like, maybe it feels more difficult to process something on earth and in the body than it does to just like tune out, tap, tap out, go into this fantasy land and think that you can do it there. I wonder if that's that's like thematically what's what they're thinking. Right. Well, and, and the promise of getting an accelerated result, getting a mm. quick mm-hmm. insight. I mean, is that's attracted to everyone, right? I mean, who wouldn't uh-huh. want to, you know, I think um, that's kind of one of those things. I think it's the promise of having amazing downloads and insight very quickly. Right. And, and, and <clears throat> to, to all of us. Right. Yeah. And them being, and those insights being true, you know, like when you're doing EFT, you have to be in a place where, and I struggle with this as well. You have to be in a place where you're trusting what's coming out of your mouth. You know, it's like, for me, you know, I'm going back to like talk therapy and things like that. And times where I've been, um, I've had great sessions of talk therapy where I've been in a very peaceful state of meditative state and we've sort of traced back the things that I'm working on to my first memories of those things. And you have to trust that what's coming out of your mouth is something like for me, I always question myself and I'll say like, you know, this is coming out of my mouth, but do I really believe it? And is it really what's affecting me? And is it really worth me speaking? Um, like those are the sort of like the mind games that happen for me. Yeah, no, that's so that's so honest and real. Thank you for sharing that. I think with well, my business name is called Tapping for Truth. So, uh, truth is 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 a great topic. Um, I think that 
even if you came and you began the session and you were like, oh, God, I don't even know if this is what's happening. We start there. And let's say as we're tapping, you're like, I don't even believe that. Right. Then the real truth. You know what I mean? So there's no worry. You know, we start with whatever is coming out of the person's mouth. And we take that as true. But EFT is always done out loud. People will say, well, can I do it silently? No. Mm, you have to hear okay. yourself. Okay. And there's something really magical about that. And you're hearing yourself. And obviously, I'm, you know, the client's guiding the session in a sense that we're only working on what the client wants to work on. I'm not calling the shots in the sense of, you know, we're, we're absolutely doing whatever the client, the client drives the session. But we are, I am reflecting back what they've told me. And sometimes when they hear it that way while tapping, it's like, they just get amazing downloads. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not even sure I believe that mm-hmm. to be true. Or you know what? That wasn't my belief. That was my mom's belief mm. or insert whatever, right? Mm. Um, and I think that's where you just get these, it's like, I don't have to sit there and tell the person, they, they get the download themselves. Oh my gosh, am I keeping this problem because I'm afraid of X, Y, and Z? Mm. Am I not able to lose the weight because of blank, blank, blank? Right. Or, you know, am I keeping this um, autoimmune dysfunction, insert whatever disease you want there, because of, you know. And I think what's amazing is the client comes to that understanding versus the classic therapist-client relationship, which is, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with you. Yeah. I don't have to say anything. I'm just part, letting you this. A part of that process that you were just describing it's so interesting that your company name is Tapping for Truth because mm-hmm. like in my mind, what's happening through this is you have to access something that is true in your body, but that's not true in your mind. You know, like I'm, you know, I, I have to, I have to say out loud that I'm holding on to weight because I don't feel safe, but I do feel safe. So that truth is not true. Well, yeah, it just kind of all begins to integrate, but yes. Mm-hmm. Um, or assimilate. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so someone like me, for example, Amy, like I'll want to do that in my head. Exactly what you said you can't do because I'll just want to say to myself, like, well, you don't really believe that, but a part of my being obviously does. Right. So again, we will, I know I said this already, but we'll get to the source of where that began. We're working where the, where the non-truth began, I guess. Right. Reverse okay. the negative belief. I call it negative belief, but sure, you can call it non-truth. The negative core belief or limiting belief. And we didn't mention this yet, I don't think on the call, but there's a, a technique we use with EFT called matrix reimprinting, And we actually go back and heal the memory of where this began. If we can locate that, which usually you can. And then we go back and heal that to reverse that belief and, and create a new one. And so, and, and let that stick and let that hold. So I think even if that subconscious mind wants to fight and get in the way EFT kind of comes in the back and, and, you know, and it works in that way to, to, so there's not a fight, you know, it's not like it's, re- and if there is resistance from the client, we tap on that. Like mm-hmm. I said, I want to know, tell me you don't believe it. Tell me that 
you know, whatever you doubt. Um, and let's see what happens. Is it because there could be something else that needs to be brought up in that same theme, something else that needs to be healed in that same theme? Oh, if they have resistance, I'm sorry. Is that what you Yes. Yeah. Oh, sure. Or they just, I mean, a lot of times people come to me, I'm the, you know, last person they came to after working on something for years and they're frustrated. Mm -hmm. So I want to start there. Let's just tap down your frustration of, I have tried everything. Yeah. I've tried everything for this problem, especially if it's a health issue, I'd say you get so much pain and frustration with dealing with, let's say chronic pain or a chronic health problem. And we first just want to get some of the emotions out of the way of, I am so mad I have this. Mm. So, so we usually just start there or the frustration, or like I said, the resistance, like, all right, I'm going to try this, but like nothing has worked for me. So we just want to at least address those emotions just right off the bat. Yeah. <clears throat> and, then, and then we get to the, um, getting to the root of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something else that you had mentioned earlier, you were saying, you know, the, the client will oftentimes say they've tried everything and they have the positive affirmations all over the wall. Um, that yeah. brought, brought to mind for me a lot of work like, um, Joe Dispenza's work and mm-hmm. um, I guess it, it could also be, you know, a lot of people experience this in Kundalini as well, where the process isn't working unless you're reminding yourself daily that this is your life or this is your, you know, um, I think that there's so much lacking in that and there's, it's like, it's like, you know, I guess I could compare it to something like AA. Like if you're not all in and if you fall off or if you're not all in your mindset 24-7, then there is a big, you know, you're basically, you're not there at all. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, because um, you're, you're seeing it like it's like EFT doesn't require that because you're not just trying to convince the conscious mind to operate differently. You're actually like, I want you to talk more about a little bit more about like the matrix reconfiguring because that's where it like you create a new. Yeah. Right. Cause I want to be clear. I'm not convincing. We're not convincing anybody of anything. Right. Cause that's not possible. It's more of like actually changing the belief Mm -hmm. so I can see the world differently. Yeah. Um, in my world, my, you know, the client's world. Um, I'm so glad you brought up the, so positive, positive affirmations are, are beautiful. And I, and I, and I think they're amazing, but I want to be clear that they don't work unless you get rid of the underlying limiting belief. So people say, well, years ago, you know, that book came out, the secret and the law of attraction. Everybody goes, Oh my God, I can have a million dollars and be like, have this amazing life. Now, I do believe in affirmations. Once you get rid of the limiting, if, if there is one behind that. So, um, because by the way, I love Joe Dispenza and I think he's just incredible. I have to, and he actually, um, he's written a lot of the forewords for a lot of EFT books. So he's, he's definitely in alignment with our work and I think he's just incredible. But I do think the world of, 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 of positive thinking is incredible as long as we get rid of limiting beliefs. So what do I mean? So you could have a sticky note. I get this example a lot. 
on the mirror, like I'm going to make more money or whatever the financial goal is, or, or the sticky note on the mirror that says I'm going to lose X amount of weight in three months to whatever. And that will only work if we get rid of that little afterthought. So let's say someone sees the little sticky and goes, I'm going to lose, you know, 20 pounds in X amount of months. Well, if they have a little thought that follows that goes, yeah, you've never been able to do that before. Or what makes you think you're so special to be able to do that? We have to go after that. Now, once that's eliminated, absolutely, those notes all over the house in the mirror will work. It's just, I think I get, there's that's, that's my little beep on the whole positive thinking thing, because I'm like, those are great. As long as you eliminate any negative thoughts, then you can read that affirmation and it 100% will work. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's not, it's, it's not possible to just not have negative thoughts. Like it's not possible to just chase them away. Like, oh, I had a negative thought. Like, let me replace it with a positive thought. Right, right, right. If only it were that easy. <laughs> I know. Right? But also that would be, what a zoo it would be in your brain all day. You know, right. like just chasing around, like what's stopping me for, you know, like I can't have that thought. I have to, you know, wow. It, no, of course the mind is going to, we have a negative mind, right? That's, we have negative mind, neutral mind, positive mind, everything, right? Um, and just to be, I'm glad you said that because of course we're going to have negative thoughts, but around a certain goal that we have or around a certain thing that we want, if there is a, a really core belief, I guess that's what I mean, a core negative belief, we do want to look at that and, and reverse that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so helpful. So yeah. what is it, what does it look like for you in sort of your day-to-day or month-to-month life using this practice, but also like the other practices? Because like you've said, it doesn't eliminate, you know, the benefit of meditation or like oh, conscious no. creating and all those things. So how, like, give me some insight as to how you're using it now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do still work with a practitioner from time to time myself. I, I truly believe in your own work, obviously, for me to be a great practitioner. Um, I got to work on my stuff too, right? So again, I was a client for you know years before I even went into this, but I still reach out to my my practitioner every once in a while, or I, I swap with co- colleagues. Um, but for my day-to-day, um, I do tap, especially when I'm frustrated or feeling limited or blocked or negative. Um, just a quick tap in the morning. And then I do Kundalini yoga is one of my, my sorry. Do you do all the points when you tap just sort of briefly in the morning or do you just do a couple of points? Yes. Well, yeah, with EFT, I'm kind of a, I mean, I was trained this way to be kind of by the book, um, the way it was created by Gary Craig. He was the creator of EFT. Um, so we do all the points and I appreciate you asking that because some of the YouTube videos are a bit what we call it kind of a watered down approach and they don't include all the points and they're all very important. So um, we do all the points, which are, did you want me to run through them? Yes, I'd love you to. Sure. I'll just do it briefly. So we always start with the side of the hand. We call it the karate chop point and that's the setup statement. So we might say something like, even though um, I'm so nervous about this, presentation I have today, let's say, let's say that that would be like an everyday thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And then we go through the tapping points, which are top of the head, 
Mm-hmm. And you can use one or both hands. A lot of people like to, cause it's like kind of yeah. even, but uh-huh. you don't have to. And then we do beginning of the eyebrow. Now, if you're using all four fingers, which you should, you're not going to miss it. And then you do the temple. And then under the eye, like on the kind of orbital bone. And then you do above the lip. Okay, below the lip, like in the little notch there. And then the next point is we call it the collarbone point, but it, it's right on the collarbone. It's right underneath the two little notches there. And then this next point is skipped a lot. So, and it's very important. It's um, kind of like right under like the, the breast line. Mm-hmm. So right here. Oh, kind of yeah. Like, I've never done this one. Top of the ribs. It's always been under the armpits, I thought, next. That's no, no. So this point got, got taken out some years ago. Well, it's hard to get there. You got to get under your boobs. Totally. So for women, you do kind of go underneath a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then under the armpit, like you said. Mm-hmm. So not in it, but so right you cross your it. arms. Well, this one, we often just do one hand. Okay. Yeah, because it's kind of difficult. And then we do top of the wrist. Never done this point either, Amy. And then bottom of the wrist. Never done this point either. Yeah, and then you go back to the top of the head. Yeah. So it follows a really nice, natural yeah, progression, progression around. Um, the the whole thing about that point run under the breast, it's, it got taken out years ago when people, when practitioners used to tap on people. Mm. Of course, women, the way we are made, some women had large breasts. It was too inappropriate. Yeah. Now we, as the years went through, we had clients and people tap on themselves because it is a self-healing tool. So we don't tap on other people anymore. And so this point has been worked back in in trainings. And if so important, because grief and anger are held in the lungs, Mm -hmm. right? So it's such an important point and should not be left out. So I do like to mention it. Um, And of course, if you are someone who has large breast river, do the best you can. You can just go underneath, but you do want to hit that kind of rib, the rib area mm-hmm. best you can. Um, so yeah, I getting back to what we were saying, um, doing a couple rounds of tapping every day. And I think your question was, what else do I do? Do oh, you I do have to find, do you have to find a particular topic to tap on or can you sometimes just yeah, it EFT works best if it's the more specific you are. Okay. And I always tell people, for your listeners, this is the way you can start tapping. Just complain. <laughs> so think about something that's bothering you or that you're nervous about or that mm-hmm. you're angry, anything, whatever your emotion is. And then just complain. So let's say it's your partner. Not you, the gentle person. Let's say it's your partner and you say, oh, my God you know, he or she is driving me crazy. And you start with whatever the issue is, even though I cannot stand when he does that. (laughs) I want to come to, you know, whatever, and name what it is. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And then you actually just, we do start with the negative. So people will say, well, if someone says to me, EFT doesn't work, I say, well, how are you doing it? And they say, well, 
I just say things like, I'm going to have a great day. <laughs> and life is beautiful. <laughs> no one mean. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, that's why it's not working. Because we want to purge the negative out first. Then, of course, you can say beautiful things at the end. You know, so let's say it's on your partner. I cannot stand when he ignores me. Or I can't stand when we fight. He he lashes out. Or let's say whatever that you're complaining about your partner, he or she. And you go through the points. After a few rounds, you know, the anger that you have towards your partner goes down. By the end, you might say, but, you know, I really, I do, I want to work through this. And we're both just really stressed out right now. We're going to, you know, you can end on a positive. But it's like, we always refer to it as cleaning out the wound. Like you want to get all the negative out. And then of course you can end your round of tap, rounds of tapping with a positive, like glad I'm working on this or, you know, we're going to work through it or whatever the thing is. But to, to, to know how to do EFT is really just start by complaining or venting whatever, whatever is going on. And this is specifically not bypassing. I mean, this is specifically not, you know, saying that that negativity, that frustration doesn't exist, which is what I love about it because we just always want to demonize it. And in demonizing it, we probably just shove it further down. Right. Yeah. I think I, for someone new to EFT, I, there is a little resistance sometimes in the beginning to speak the negative Mm because they're scared it's going to stick. Yeah. And, And just for your listeners to know that, you know, as long as you're tapping, nothing is going to stick to you. So even if I'm leading the round, and let's say I say something a little too exaggerated, and the client goes, you know, that actually isn't true, what you just said. Okay. It's just going to roll right off. Mm. It's not right, right, you know, and I'm tapping with you too. Like I'm, I'm with you tapping. So nothing is sticking, right? We're just, we're just cleaning out whatever's mm. there that doesn't belong, and then we can, you know, move into any positive statements at the end. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you're, yeah. so, so yeah. you're starting your day with some tapping. Um, I do. What an amazing practice. I mean, it's it's almost like journaling, but actually with, you know, a, a very like physical way to release. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, even if it's like little things like, if I'm stuck in traffic, which I still have not completely worked through my anger around that. So um, I will, like, if I'm sitting in the car and I'm frustrated, you know, I'll tap, you know, Um, on just that, like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm running late and I can't believe, you know, whatever the thing, it can be something as little as that. Or, you know, sometimes the beginning of the day we get over, usually the feeling is overwhelm. Oh my God, I have so much to do today. I have no idea how I'm going to get through it and I'm tired. So it's as simple as just venting that overwhelm, you know, and then, you know, usually you'll come to the end and you'll go, you know, but I can just do one thing. I'm just going to do the best I can. And if things don't get done, everything's going to be all right, you know, or whatever, you know, at least getting that overwhelm down. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you said you also practice Kundalini every day. I do. I do. I love it so much. Um, Yeah. I trained in that actually the same year that I 
trained in EFT, it seems like everything was happening. Wow. So I don't teach regularly. I just sometimes sub here and there, but um, I really love it a lot. Yeah. In fact, that's how I met Joe, who oh. I met. We met here in um, Venice. We went to a studio here, um, he and Amelia. So that's how I met them. Wow. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I love that. Um, <laughs> I feel so motivated to make this a part of my day-to-day right now. It just feels like oh, this is such an amazing tool that, mm. you know, not using it feels <laughs> like a little um, masochistic in a way, you know, like just suffering to suffer without no, I mean, this is, it's something I've used, something I've seen that works and just, I feel, I feel so aligned with it. Um, so yeah. let's, let's tell some people how to work with you and then maybe also like some resources and good books to read about tapping that you like. Sure. sure of course. Well, my website is tappingfortruth.com and there is a, um, contact form. You can just reach out to me. Or you can always, which emails me directly, but you can also just email me and it's amy, A-M-Y, at tappingfortruth.com. So either way. And I offer, you know, just complimentary consult calls if people want to chat first and understand, hey, can you help me? I'm having this problem. We can chat about your concerns. They're 20-minute calls um, prior to booking a session because I think some people just want to know you know, can this help me? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's perfectly fine. As far as resources, um, I have some on my website, but I mentioned one in particular and it's called the science of tapping and it's by PETA, P-E-T-A Stapleton. And I think I refer people a lot to that book because it has research in it. And especially if they're a little bit like, does this stuff work? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great intro to EFT and then also gives the research behind it. So if you're kind of of that mindset of, I want some proof (laughs) that this works, I think it's a great starting point. Yeah. Yeah. I love having the tools to do it on my own, but I will say like, you know, I've given a handful of examples of how, you know, I might talk myself out of really getting to the crux, like having that, that second party there to sort of guide, I think, especially in things for things that you've been stuck in for a long time. Um, and maybe haven't even realized it, you know, like there's always benefit to support in this navigation Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, for me too, as much as I do it on my own, it really helps to have a practitioner too at times where I'm feeling really stuck or I'm not understanding why something's happening. Mm -hmm. I've identified a pattern and I'm like, all right, on my own, I'm not getting to it. So let me reach out to someone. So yeah, of course, it's a great daily tool, but I'd say for deeper work or if you're trying to figure out some kind of pattern, it's great to work with someone with a practitioner. Definitely. Thank you so much, Amy. I feel so so motivated and educated. I'm so glad. Thank you for having me. You had great questions and um, I think we covered a lot. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good.